morning and welcome to Faith. It is great to worship Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are here to worship in the supremacy of Jesus Christ, the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, the all-satisfying nature of Jesus Christ. And I, I pray, I have prayed, and I pray that we would drink and drink richly of Jesus this morning, and we find Him so satisfying. So we start the book of Colossians. Welcome to faith. If you're new or relatively new to faith, and, and we don't have a record, maybe we don't have your email or your contact information, you'd like to be on the email list, or you want us to be praying for you, um, would you take one of these orange cards and fill it out and put it in the offering later on? That would be a big help to us. Okay, another thing that I want to ask, or invite you to do, we started our Wednesday gatherings, and so I asked a few people about it, and they said, what? What's Wednesday gatherings? I've never heard of that. And so I want, I want to make sure you've heard of it. We have this coming Wednesday, we will be meeting at 645. Now, if you have children, come a little bit earlier. At 630, you could drop off your kids, and... We have stuff for the children and for the teens. So our normal youth group uh, is going on at that time, as well as Faith Kids, uh, Kids Club. But that's going to be at 6.30, 6.40, from 6.45 to 8. We are going to get together and we're going to study. We're going to fellowship together and we're going to pray together as a congregation. And you will get to know people in the church that you didn't know before. And so come and join us. But for those that we're here, and if you weren't here, I want you to know this. We have prayer sheets up here in the front. If you have a prayer request, whether you're going to be able to make it on Wednesday or not, will you come and grab a prayer sheet and fill it out and give it to me or give it to one of the pastors or deacons, uh, and, and we will pray for that prayer request this Wednesday. We're going to be making up a list. We'll have a list this Wednesday of our prayer requests, but join us this Wednesday at 645. Uh, several things to just let you know about. First Things at Faith is starting next Sunday. First Things at Faith is our new membership class, but it's not just for members or those desiring or committing to becoming a new member. You might say, I'm not sure if I want to be a member, but I want to know more about Faith Baptist Church. I want to know what makes this church tick. What's its, what, what is its philosophy of ministry? What does it believe? How does it practice those beliefs? Who Who's Pastor Daniel, and who's uh, and what myself and Lee Monday, our chairman of our deacons, will be leading that class um, starting next week. And we want to kind of so we can pr- print the materials. We'll have extra, so come if you don't sign up. Still come, but we have a sign up out here. Sign up, come. We'll start that next week as we we look at uh, some really important things. It's not really about Faith Baptist Church. It's about the great things we believe at Faith Baptist Church, and we're going to really talk about those things. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Looking forward to a baptism. We're going to be having a baptism baptism Sunday in the month of February, February 14th. Uh, There may be, I believe there are probably some of you in this room that need to be baptized, want to be baptized, or maybe you don't want to be, you haven't wanted to be baptized because you're fearful of it, but you know that you should be baptized, would you let us know if you're interested in getting baptized on February 14th? That, that is for those who are believers, 
in Christ Jesus. They want to follow in obedience and, and demonstrate what he has done as he, you died with him and rose with him anew. And so please respond and let us know if you're going to plan on being baptized on the 14th, and we'll meet with you about that. Um, this Saturday is our, our women's conference, winter conference. It'll be from 9 to 1. It's not too late to sign up. Uh, it's $10. What a deal. And Lena will be teaching. She will be speaking on I Am My Sister's Keeper, and you will love it. And, and so come sign up um, if you haven't already, but that's going to be this, uh, this coming Saturday. This is, we, we are encouraging, we are encouraging teen girls to join in this this, act, this uh, seminar or this winter conference, and the, gu- the guys will be ha- actually having a youth activity, or I think they're going to Holly Cemetery, and they're, they're doing a ministry project that morning, and the youth parents, the par- parents of the students will actually be getting notification if they haven't already. So that's going to be going on this Saturday. Just so you know, coming up, it's in the bulletin, but we we actually had the date wrong, but the date's right up here. The Gospel According to Marriage. If you are married, or you want to get married, you hope to get married, and you pray to get married, or you are married, we want you to come and join us this, uh, in in the month of March. It's going to be a couple weeks before Easter, and we are going to meet on a Saturday afternoon. We're going to have a couple-hour seminar. I'm going to be leading that on the the gospel according to marriage. How the gospel demonstrates and shows us is, is seen in marriage and how the gospel is the power and the source of our marriage. And we're going to look at that in, in a few hours time. You can't cover exhaustively a lot of things, but we're going to try to narrow in and go sharply at that point of the gospel and marriage. And then we're going to, we're con- going to conclude that time with, a, with like a, a supper somewhere. We haven't decided all the details, and that's where you come in. I need about three or four couples, preferably, three or four couples of varying age to help me and help our staff plan this event for that Saturday. And so if you're willing to help plan, we'll just call a meeting together. I'll call a meeting together with you, and we will put together the details for this. And I need your help to make this happen. And so would you let me know, let Julie know, the church office know, um, and, and respond. We need your help to plan that, okay? One last thing before we, we pray and continue on in song. Fighter verse. Does anybody have Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13 memorized? It's a little longer. had seven days. <laughs> now, I want to say memory is like a muscle. It is a muscle. And the more you exercise that muscle, the better you'll, the stronger you'll get. So as you work uh, on, on these things, I think your memory will get better in memorizing. Deuteronomy 10, 12 to 13, any takers this morning? Anyone that wants to say it and bless the congregation with it. Okay, I'm going to do that. It's a really good passage. 
It's a very hard, it's a very convicting passage. It's a very challenging passage. And yet, it should drive us to the gospel. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes that I am commanding you today for your good. God calls us to something so overwhelming But then he brings to us the fact that it's for our good, and then he gives us the supernatural energy to live that out in Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that in Colossians. We're going to see that in Colossians. Let's let's say this verse together. Actually, you probably don't have it unless you have last week's bulletin in writing. You'll actually, if you... Your bulletin that you have will always have the fighter verse for the next week. So you have it, you can cut it out, and you can work on it. Here's the fighter verse that I just said. Let's say this together. Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13. Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Amen. John 1, 12-13 is next week's verse. It's a little shorter and really good. Let's pray. Father, as we continue on in song and we worship you, we ask God that you would do a mighty, mighty work in our hearts. I pray that you do a work in the students' hearts and in our kids' hearts and in parents' hearts and in grandparents' hearts. God, I pray that you do a work in my heart. I pray that you would take a four-chapter letter written to a small village in Turkey that was eventually destroyed by an earthquake and yet used for now 2,000 years to reveal treasure and glory and bring spiritual life and transformation. God, I pray that you would use this letter and you would, God, open the door for the word to be preached and taught and received from Colossians this year. God, I pray that you would so use this book not just to fill our heads with a lot of truths about Jesus, a lot of truths about what the Bible says, but that you would cause us to walk truly in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. As we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, I pray that we would walk in him, rooted in him, and built up in him, and established in the faith and that we would abound in thanksgiving. God, I pray that you would do that in our hearts. I pray that the book of Colossians would meet us where we are in our marriage and where we are in our parenting and where we are in our studies and in school and with our friends. You would meet us at our work and you would meet us at church and you would meet us with all our needs and our pain and our health and our financial needs and our Troubles. I pray that it would meet us in the things that we seek after. I pray that the supremacy of Jesus Christ 
which says and speaks to everything, would so transform the way we think and the way we love and the way we thank and the way we dream and the way we spend and the way we go and the way we serve and the way we love and the way we think about the needs in this world and the way we think about watch the news and why we as we face challenges in the news and in politics and in economy. Oh God, this morning, I pray that you use and minister to Colossians and through Jesus Christ, who is sufficient for all things. And in that sufficiency, you would give grace and help to those this morning that are feeling the need uh, of closures of, of workplaces and of financial challenges and of spiritual and relational challenges. God, you would meet our needs and help us. Oh God, I pray that for this next hour, you would make us really hungry and really able to see what you want us to see and you would feed us and that we would eat and that in so eating, we would be nourished to, to live differently this week and to grow and be presented mature in Christ. And so God, it's in your son. take a overview look at Colossians and really ask the question, what is Colossians all about? What is this letter, the letter of Paul to the Colossians, a letter if you look even just a little bit, you see that it's four chapters long, not very not very dense, at least in that way. They actually not very long, but, but you will find quickly very dense. Four medium-sized chapters. It's called a prison epistle because if you read at the last verse, chapter 4, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. He's saying, I am in prison. It is a prison so Paul's writing from prison, possibly Ephesus or Rome, and he's with Timothy, and he writes it, and he sends a messenger, Tychicus, and he had been received a message from Epaphras, and he's writing to a little church in a very insignificant city called Colossae. And Paul writes this letter, and God intends for this letter way to impact a little church in the Indian Ocean. Let's pray and ask that God would do that. God, I pray that you use this word right now. Thank you that you love to bless through your spirit the ministry of your word to your people. Do that right now. about happiness, the Joy Project, Happiness Project. You can read books 
that will tell you about happiness is a choice, and you need to make that choice. But I tell you what, the things that you pursue, like security, I, I want I want to feel security, whether it's financial security or or security uh, against danger and health problems that come my way. I want security. I want health. I want to feel harmony in my life. I want to feel peace in my life. I want to feel like, I want to feel significance. I want approval. I want, I want, I, I, I often want my wife's approval or my kid's approval or your approval or people's approval. Those that I, I respect and appreciate, I want approval. I want significance. I want to feel like I'm doing something that matters. I want, when I'm in trouble, I want rescue. I want justice when I'm offended. I want relationship bliss, and I want relationship harmony, and I want so many more things. But why? If you look at the depth of each one of them, you can trace it back, you say, because I want to be happy. Those things point me towards a, a satisfaction. Uh, they, they bring you that way. And I like what C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, what Satan put into the heads of our remote ancestors, ancestors, he's talking about Adam and Eve and mankind, the serpent, what the serpent put in the heads of Adam and Eve as if they had, our remote answers own, as if they had created themselves to be their own masters, invent some sort of happiness for themselves outside of God, apart from God. And out of that hopeless attempt has come nearly all that we call human history. Money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, slavery, the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. The reason why it can never succeed is this. God made us. Invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol. And it could not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel of our spirits. We're designed to burn for the food. Our spirits are designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion or faith in God. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. That reality, the reality of mankind trying to find something that they want desperately other than God is all over us and was in the lives of the Colossians Something happened. A man of their own, Epaphras, from Colossae, traveled to Ephesus, and he heard a man preach. His name was Paul. And he 
the true Savior of the world had come. His name was Jesus of Nazareth, and he was the true anointed one of God, and he was he died and he rose from the dead. And Epaphras was saved. He was rescued. He was given new life. He was transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And he and he realized that and he went back to his hometown in Colossae and he started bringing the gospel to his hometown and a church sprung out in Colossae. Eventually, Paul heard word from Epaphras while Paul was in prison and said, there's some great things happening, Paul. There's great things happening in this little church in Colossae, but I am concerned because there is, there is, there is a growing, they, they know the truth, and, and we've seen fruit in their lives, but they're starting to hear and believe certain things that if they continue on in that way, Some have called heresies or false teachings. We really don't know exactly what they were teaching. We get hints by what Paul tells them they're not to believe in chapter 2. We're going to see that in the coming weeks. We're going to take Colossians 1 through 4. We're going to go passage by passage through this small letter. But this morning I want you to see what Colossians is about. Colossians is about something that is so central to our lives that it's say it, you might go, what does that mean? Help me to get that, and I pray that in the next several months, we'll understand what that means. Colossians is about this. Colossians is about walking in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And I would say that more than anything else, you and I need to walk in the supremacy of Christ. We need to walk in, in, in the light of the great and glorious reality of who Jesus is, who he is for my life, who he is for the world, and what difference does that make in, in my own thought life and in my own fight against sin and my own living out all the responsibilities and roles, whether I'm a student, whether I'm a pastor, whether I'm working a, a job here or I'm caring for the kids in the home, or whether I'm thinking about what college I'm going to go to or what what my future career is going to be, the most transformative thing for us is for us to walk in what I'm going to call walk in the supremacy of Christ. I want, you to, I want to read the first couple verses here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers, saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. These are Christians. They're called saints and faithful brothers. We're going to look at this further. And they're in Christ at Colossae. And then you go to the next chapter and you, if, if, you're a Bible, if you're an underliner in your Bible, I would look at and underline this verse or underline some key phrases in this verse. In chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, we find, the, I think, the closest thing we get to a thesis or main point or the, the, the burden that 
Paul wants to get to our church and the church here in Colossae is this. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught spend time unpacking or expositing either of those passages other than I want to draw us to that and draw you to this and say, we are to take heed to this passage as we have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. That's where I get my title. We need to walk in the supremacy of Christ. That's the theme of this entire series. Walk in the supremacy of Christ. next four chapters, and over the next several months, we are going to look at at passage by passage through this letter. And we are going to see Jesus Christ coming at us. Jesus Christ revealed to us in a way. And I pray, and so does Paul, that God would do a mighty transformative work in our our eyes to see, in our hearts to, to feel, those Christians, that they're Christians that have made a profession of faith. They've asked Christ in their heart. They, they have, they've received Jesus, and they, they have made a decision to follow Jesus, but there's just not a lot of spiritual maturity. There's not a lot of growth. We talked about this last week a little bit. There's not a lot of growth and holiness. There's not a changed life like you would think there would be. I mean, God saved them. Right? God came in and, I mean, if we believe what the Bible says, He transformed us. We are part of a kingdom of darkness and He transformed us, we're going to see in Colossians, into the kingdom of light. God actually gave us a promise and said, you're going to have an inheritance. It's going to be forever and it's going to get better and better forever. It's going to be so, I mean, if I said to you, Let's, let's, let's set aside the ethics of this, and I think it's important to talk about the ethics of this. But say I could say to you, and you could feel ethically good about it, that you were going to win the Powerball. And, and you were going to get all of it. And, and in an amazing way, it's going to be all tax-free. And, and you could have all of it. You, you feel kind of, you feel a little different. Especially if you believe the truth. Now, now remember I said the ethical side, ethical part aside, because I think there's a big problem in it. But I don't want to talk about that. But just say that you were to receive that, and you knew you were going to receive that. That would impact how you worry about things. Or don't worry about things. It would impact how you live that day. If you knew that in one year, all of it would be taken care of. You would receive the check tax-free of $1.5 billion. And you would have a new life. 
the scripture reveal to us that the promises to God's children are ten million, you can't even put it in equation, times a Powerball winning to those that are in Christ Jesus. A Powerball of 1.5 million is glass through nothing at all. There's zero longevity to a 1.5 million after you die. There is, in fact, you could go study after study and say, see this, this, the, the results of those who have won major winnings? Their lives are devastated after that. They are torn up. They, they can't live the normal life, and they, they're so fearful of losing their money, they have a nervous breakdown and die. Or they have people hounding them that were our close, their friends, and they're coming into their lives, and they, they destroy their lives. The truth of Scripture, to those that are in Christ Jesus, to those that have been rescued, and we're going to see this in Colossians, are, are so much greater. Yet, why so often do the truths of Scripture have such a little impact on our emotions and in our hopes and in our, on the way we feel and result, we care about things in our lives? Why is it the case? Uh, I heard Tim Keller, uh, some of you are familiar with him, I think the ladies are, ladies are going to have a Bible study in Romans, and Tim is Tim Keller. And Tim Keller once said that so much of the church, the reason why so many people in the church have received Christ, let's, let me step back and say this a different way. So many people in the church are like that Coke, the machine, and the, a Coke machine. Where you take the Coke, have you ever taken a coin to the Coke machine and you put it in there? Put your two quarters, or probably it's now four quarters, or six quarters, and you put your six quarters, or you put your five dollar bill, or you put that in there, and especially when we had the coins, you put those coins in there, and you wait, and nothing happens, and then you take your elbow and you go boom, and then and then the can comes down, it drops because the coin dropped. So often, we as Christians are living in that. Where the, the coin has been put in in our lives. The gospel has come. We've received it. We've, we've, we've said, yes, I believe. But the coin hasn't dropped. The, the, the reality of the money being put in, the, the reality of the debt, that which has been put in, and the, the fruit, the result that's going to come out, hasn't really been brought to life yet in our lives in a great way. And the coin hasn't dropped. Where we go, aha, I see, this is so glorious. I've talked to some of you already, and you've looked in your lives, and it hasn't been until God has come and went, hmm, in your life, and the coin drops, and you go, now I see. It isn't until we hear, we can hear the gospel over and over again. I Probably almost everything I could say in Colossians over the next few months, you may have heard already. And why? so why would we do that again other than we would pray and we would pray earnestly, what, like Paul prays at the beginning of the 
better than what we've been looking at this in the coming weeks, that God would cause in our lives to point and drop in a greater way, and that our hearts would become more like what we already know, and it would produce the type of fruit, the type of gratitude, the type of faith, the type of love that would be transformed. I pray, as Paul says, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He wants us to be filled with the knowledge of what God has done and what His will for you and I is, which is greater than any, it's an inheritance that is so much greater than any Powerball winning or any inheritance that any rich uncle that you didn't know of left you. He has left us an inheritance. And that inheritance starts right now and has bearing right now in our lives, and it's all centered in Jesus Christ. And so we need to walk in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by the supremacy of Jesus Christ? The word supremacy means he is superior to all, over all, in all, through all. And this is we're going to see this over and over again. Christ is over all. And that means something in your work. That means something in your family. That means something in our church. That means something in our thought life, in our giving. Christ is overall. Christ is sustaining all. He works all things according to the word of his power. You are sustained in this very room this morning. The reason why we're, Colossians says that the reason why you're alive in this room right now is because right now, Christ is sustaining you. He's upholding you by the word of his power. He's upholding you. He, He sustains all. Creates all, and he's accomplished all. He has he has finished it. He has completed it. Christ is therefore Christ is enough for all. One of the things that the Colossians were struggling with was they believed in Christ already, but they believed they needed Christ plus something. Maybe you might think, man, I know I need Christ, but I need this diet. It's going to help me. And I'll feel fulfilled. I, I, I need Christ, but I also need to get my life organized. So I need this, that's, this, this book that will kind of bring me harmony in my life, and I'll unclutter everything. Or I need Christ, but to really be happy, to really find significance in my life, I also need this relationship. And I need Christ, but I also need some type of whatever it is. The Colossians had teachers coming in and saying, yeah, Christ is the way, but it's Christ and, hey, if you stick and listen to me, and you do these practices, and you, and in fact, there's probably a Jewish influence that was coming in, and if you, you fast this way, and if you you abstain from eating and drinking in this way, and if you do these certain things, you, that plus Christ, it'll, you'll, you'll have it made. And Paul says, no. My desire, Paul says, is that as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, absolutely alone, His salvation alone is what saves you. His work alone is what does it for you. As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, the all-supreme one, so you would walk in Him every day. You would learn what that means to walk in Him, and that will be the power for you to parent. 
It'll be the power for you when you fight against sin. It won't be about all these other things. Jesus is over all of those things. All those things that are demanding your attention, Jesus is over them. He made them. He is in control of them. He is where you're to find your satisfaction, not something else. Jesus is it. We find passages where we feel realize like the one fifteen through twenty. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. He's before all things. All things when him hold together. He's the head of the body. He's the of the church. He is reconciling all things to himself, whether in heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you Christians were circumcised with the circumcision made not with hands by the putting off of the flesh, but by, by the circumcision of Christ. You were buried in baptism with him, and you were raised with him by faith in the powerful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. God made you alive together with him, having forgiven you of all your trespasses. And what more than that, canceled the record of debt that stood against you with all its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross, and he disarmed the rulers and authorities that you fear and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. So walk in him. So walk in him this week. saying here's three characteristics. Three characteristics of what a man or a woman who walks in the supremacy of Christ looks like. We're going to say, I, say, I want you to see these things, and we're going to see them throughout the book of Colossians. First of all, we see that the people of God are people with an orientation of faith. The people of God are a people with an orientation of faith. The people of God are those that walk in the supremacy truly live by walking in the supremacy of Christ, become people of God, and it's an orientation of faith. We are wired towards faith in God. He says, Colossians 1.4, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, he's saying, I recognize your faith, the faith that sees and lays hold of the promises. Indeed, he says in Colossians 1.23, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel you heard. Colossians 2.5, though I'm absent from the body, but I'm with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. What I read started with the beginning. As you've received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up and established in the faith. things that compete for my joy. God is my joy, and I believe that, and I claim it by faith. That's the first thing. Faith is the orientation of us as Christians. Secondly, thanksgiving is our disposition. The people of God are a people of disposition of thanksgiving. 
see this throughout this. Paul is saying, and abounding with thanksgiving. He's going to say, I, I, he's, he begins by saying, he always thanked God. And then he says, give thanks to the Father, Colossians 1.12. He's giving thanks to the Father. He's qualified the saints. Colossians 2, 7, he prays that they're abounding in thanksgiving. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And he says, give thanks to God in all things, verse 17. And be thankful. Colossians 4, 2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. And lastly, says, we've heard of your faith and the love that you have for the saints. Or he says, Akris, let me know about your love in the Spirit. Or, I pray that you, your heart to be knit together in love to reach the full assurance of the knowledge of God's mystery. And put on love, Colossians 3.14 says, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh with them.
self-belief would be my problem. And that I was a desperate sinner. I was in my transgressions and my sins. And God came in and He took me out of my sins and He made me His Son. And God gave me His Son. And God gave me His Spirit. And He gave me a new standing. And He gave me a promise. And He's going to give me help right now to get through everything. And that, as we'll see throughout our scripture, that He works every single detail for my good. And what is that good? That, that How do you define good? To make me like His Son, Jesus. That I may someday stand mature in Christ having held fast to the supremacy of Jesus Christ, as I hold to Him, and I can't help but show Him to others, and thank Him to others, because because He has transformed my life. Oh, let's pray that God do that in Brooklyn Block and this year. God, I pray that for those that are in this room that need the coin to drop in a greater way, maybe there are some in this room that are hearing the gospel for the first time, or maybe they they have heard it many times, but they didn't hear it clearly. And I pray that for those that are in this room, that they need Jesus, they would run to Him this morning and be saved. They would look not to themselves. Maybe they, they, they still are searching, and they would not stop searching today, this week, until they find peace with you, God. Before I finish praying, I invite any of you this morning. Maybe you've come for a long time and you say, I don't know if I've got it yet. Help me. Please, please talk to me after and talk to me this morning. God, I pray that you would you would help us in Colossians 3. You would help us in Colossians this morning to respond desire that we may open our eyes to see your good gifts. There's a benediction. There's prayer sheets here in the front. If you have a prayer request, please fill that out. We want to be praying for you. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which indeed you were called to one body and be thankful. God's people said,